Today, we speak with a lovely Australian homeopath, Sarah Valentini, which is sort of a follow-up of episode 40 of this podcast with Angelica Lemke, as these two ladies work collaboratively using a process called intuitive homeopathy. Now, Sarah has been in private practice for over 12 years, and she has a special interest in working with children and women. She has worked with many families in managing their child's health in an integrated model and has a great interest in developmental and behavioral disorders such as autism, pandas, pans, ADHD, sensory processing, tantrums, emotional dysregulation and rage. Sarah and Angelica also have a wonderful podcast called Intuitive Homeopathy, so be sure to check it out. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout podcast, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we are hanging out with homeopath Sarah Valentini, all the way from Victoria. Welcome. Thanks, Eugenie. So lovely to have you on. We've been um, talking about getting in touch for a little while, and I have been loving your podcast, which we will get into very shortly. But firstly, can you maybe tell us a little bit about how you first discovered homeopathy? Actually, I wanted to study naturopathy when I was at school, and I went to a very, very conservative academic girls' school. And, you know, when I'm, you know, going to the careers council saying I want to do naturopathy, they were like, hmm, maybe you should think about medicine or science or something else. And I was kind of like, oh, okay. So I don't even think I applied to do naturopathy and I went down the science route kind of. You know, I went and travelled overseas and I was living in Amsterdam, but I was always very sensitive to um, pharmaceuticals, like always, and always liked the nutrition and being healthy. And and I got sick and um, my boyfriend at the time went out to the pharmacy in um, Amsterdam and got me these little vials of these little pills and that I had to take half of the vial each time. And I remember I took the first half of the vial and I think it was like a sinusy, like heavy sinus thing, which I'd had a number of times. And I took the vial and I just felt better but without that kind of hangover that feeling that I'd have if I took any pharmaceuticals, you know, and it was just like, what is this stuff? And I was just so intrigued. And so I used it a little bit when I was living in Amsterdam. And then I came back to Australia and I had my first child and I had, I actually had postpartum thyroiditis, which is a fluctuating thyroid from hyper to hypo. And I went to see a homeopath. And my son, he wasn't sleeping at all. And I went to sleep school and someone there said, oh, you should see a homeopath. And I was like, oh, there's that thing again. Uh-huh. I'd love to see a homeopath. Um, so I went to see um, a homeopath and he prescribed for my thyroid, but he also prescribed because my son was having this crazy nappy rash. He would just blister like within seconds of mm-hmm. doing poo. And I, so he gave a remedy for him, which I think was metarinum. I was about to say metarinum is good for that. <laughs> yeah. It was better. And it was again just like magic that mm. I gave the remedy when he, he might have even done the poo and he was blistered. And it was like his skin just healed. Like it just, the redness went away, like within half an hour, I think. And it was like magic. It was, it was just incredible. And, you know, my thyroid also evened out and, and mm. that was all fine. 
so that was kind of this, you know, this little spark. And then a friend um, of mine was like, you should think about studying naturopathy now. And I was thinking, oh, I had a bit of a crossroads with my career situation. So, and then I saw that I could do homeopathy. So I was like, oh, okay, I might just start that and see where it takes me, thinking oh, it'll just be a little part-time thing. But as soon as I started studying, I was just like, wow, this is incredible. Like this is really calling me. So mm-hmm. I became obsessed and did my my degree. Amazing. And you practice a very beautiful form of homeopathy called intuitive homeopathy, and you work alongside the lovely Angelica Lemke. How did you two get in touch? And can you tell us a little bit about, uh, I mean, you also specialize in conditions like, you know, pandas and ASD and ADHD. So you like to take on all the meaty cases. So how did that journey come about? How did you two get involved? And tell us a little bit about intuitive homeopathy and, and how you're able to help these families with these very complex uh, health issues. I was curious about working with children and, and behavioural neurodevelopmental issues from the when I was still studying. That's what I was just interested in because my older son had a lot of challenges and I just knew that there was an answer in the Materia Medica for him, especially after the Mediterranean um, intervention, which was just incredible. And I just, when I started learning about homeopathy and seeing how we can help with the, using the mind symptoms and the full integration of mind and body so I was already interested and actually my son he had a lot of challenges which I've only I guess didn't actually realize that he probably had pandas and I'd taken him to a lot of specialists and nobody could think of anything or they just said everything was fine and uh, I took him to a number of homeopaths and, and remedies would work but then they would stop working mm. it's just it wasn't like um, it was like, gosh, why are my kids the ones that, you know, are really, really challenging me? Mm-hmm. Um, so I became really interested in like more and more and more interested in these conditions. But I just was finding with my son that, yeah, we just hit these kind of probably obstacles to cure, mm-hmm. really, um, these roadblocks. So, but I started, I already started treating, you know, children on the spectrum or, you know, and I was really interested with pandas and pans because I'd worked with a naturopath who was specialising in pandas and pans as well. And so I was, and I was so interested to know that, you know, if a child had a strep infection, that that, that it could present in this way and that mm. the body was having such a disordered response to a pathogen that, you know, in a, in a normal healthy body, would just be, you know, it might be strep throat or whatever it might be. So I just became really curious and I started just reading whatever I could, mainly in the biomedical kind of field. I would I started researching about pans and pandas. And one of my first clients was from the US. And I remember when I'd given her the remedy, the mother said to me, my, wow, like I've done years and years and years of biomedical treatment and it was one dose of one remedy and I have my daughter back. Wow. And when you hear that, you're just like, wow, this is, again, one of those wow, wow, mm-hmm. homeopathy magical moments. And so I just wanted to learn more and more. But I was actually, for the clients that I had in the US, I was using um, Angelica's uh, dispensary that she has mm-hmm. with her husband, Ryan. And I saw on their website that um, Angelica was teaching a course specifically about pandas and pans and, and autism and, and these complex children's cases. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of thought I'll sign up. And then I saw that it was actually for, there were a lot of parents doing it. And I was kind of thinking, oh, 
okay, well, they're not qualified homeopaths. I'm not sure how much I'll learn. And I said that to Angelique and she was like, just show up and see if you like it, see if you get anything out of it. So I did show up. So this was maybe four years ago, I think. Um, I did show up. And from the first class, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I this is, um, I mean, she, she's a beautiful teacher, um, but the course content was just like what I needed to consolidate and really understand how homeopathy would work to help these children. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's how I met Angelica and that's kind of how I got into, um, I guess, into working with these complex children's cases. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And what do you enjoy about working on these cases? I mean, they they can be pretty tricky and challenging. So what do you enjoy about them? I mean, I guess we all kind of have like a little calling or something that we're really drawn to. And I feel like I get it. Um, I think I always got it. And I, I, you know, being a homeopath, you know, we do our training, we notice things that other people don't notice. And when, you know, with my son and what he went through, like I would not, I was noticing a lot. And these are a lot of things that if you didn't have a child like this, um, you probably would think that either the mum was kind of maybe not making it up, but that it was just like, oh, maybe a bit exaggerated because the, these things that come up are just like, what is this? So I feel like I really get it. And so when a parent comes to me and they tell me about all of these things that are going on, I just feel like I really get it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I have that understanding, but I also feel like I have the tools and this amazing form of medicine to help these children kind of shift out out of that in a really beautiful Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit about intuitive homeopathy. So what does that involve? Yes, so it's really about balancing our left brain homeopathic knowledge that we sit and we learn. And I'm really, I mean, I think the systems of homeopathy that we've, we were taught a very kind of masculine left brain systematic ways of finding a remedy, which is totally fine, um, which is great actually. And I think it's a really good solid base in understanding, but the right brain Um, which is really valuable. I also found that there is a lot of in the left brain when I'm working just with the left brain, it's actually quite, um, it's quite hard work. Like there's Mm -hmm. a lot of effort put in. There's a lot of books that you're reading and double checking and not sure because that symptoms in that remedy, but it's also in that. So which one Mm -hmm. is it? So I think intuitive homeopathy is really kind of bringing in the right brain aspect as well. And what you're feeling, which I think that we all do as as practitioners, but um, that we don't maybe know that we're doing, and that is tuning in um, on all the levels, like, you know, what we're noticing, what we're feeling when we're sitting with a client Mm. um, and what what we're picking up on all with all the senses in a way. And not just bringing it back to that left brain, what's in the materia medica and which rubric am I using? So I feel, and I also feel like, and I think Amy Lansky writes about this, that synchronicity, but mm. also that the energy of the medicine of the substance that we're using and the energy of the person and kind of when you can feel and understand both of those pieces of, mm-hmm. the, of the puzzle, um, then you can put them together. So, it, yeah, I guess it's just about that balancing of what we know and what we know and materia medica and then what we know about the substance and then what we feel in the in the client that we're sitting with so 
Um, Angelica, when I did her course, she was talking about muscle testing. And I know there's a number of homeopaths who do muscle testing or use pendulums or whatever. And I started playing around with that, but it didn't entirely resonate with me. Um, You know, I I did use it and I quite liked it because it was like, I can go through the books and I can do all of this and then I can have some remedies, but then which one do I choose? I can Mm. stress about it for another half an hour or maybe I can muscle test it. So I started doing that, but it wasn't entirely my strong area. So I have a history in meditation um, practice. And what I also kind of tapped into after a while is that I don't need to, you know, stand there with my arm up or, you know, even sway testing where you would hold the remedy to your body and and Mm. get a yes or a no. Um, But really I would kind of um, match my feeling of the patient with, this, is this the right remedy for them mm. by noticing the shifts in my own body when I put them together? And, you know, like that's it's so interesting because prior to that I was always really um, careful with, with sulphur, for example, mm-hmm. and uh, one um, client I had a little uh, um, boy who has pans and, and autism and things and I, I tested um, sulphur CM for him, wow. which was... Like, yeah, like actually I, and I said to the mother, this is what's testing, but I'm really scared. Luckily, <laughs> he was kind of training in homeopathy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a wonderful remedy for him. She did give wow. it. It was wonderful. She actually moved up through the potencies of sulfur, but it was mm-hmm. a really great remedy for him at that potency. And so, you know, my mind said no, my body said yes, you know. Like, That's incredible. And my mind probably said no because I was scared of sulfur in that potency because of what I'd learned, you know, mm-hmm. um, in my studies. <laughs> One of the things I think that's amazing about being a homeopath is just how much we develop ourselves. Because, for example, with bowel nosodes, we were taught a decade ago, you give one dose of a bowel nosode and you never repeat it within three months. And so when a few years later I did Hilary Dorian's bowel nosodes course and she said to give it daily for 21 days, I was like, oh, but you can't do that. And now I give bowel nosodes five days a week for eight weeks on end and I don't flinch. <laughs> And I get such good results. So, you know, just for those listeners, homeopaths are only only human. We have our own biases. We have remedy bias. And often in professional groups, we'll have discussions about this because we'll have a remedy bias with remedies like metarinum and cephalinum. And those of you who are brave can go and Google and see what those remedies are made of. And you'll probably understand why we're hesitant in prescribing them. But once you understand, it's, you know, it's just an energetic it's just an energetic signature of the substance and you prescribe them and you get incredible results. We need to stop limiting ourselves as a homeopath and as human beings. Stop putting these glass ceilings on because homeopathy for one is limitless. So, you know, go have a play because there's yeah. so much to explore. Totally. It really is. And I think, um, you know, I remember actually one of one girl that I studied with, she actually did her final research paper on um, dispelling the, the the myths about homeopathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she listed like five things like, I, I don't know if she did coffee, but she did, you know, because there was, we were told to never st- open a case with Metarinum 200. <laughs> 
And so she went through everything and found that one person at one in, in the literature, one person at one point in time had a bad experience with Mediterranean 200 mm-hmm. C. And there was this whole kind of story. It's like Chinese whispers, you know, like where it just snowballs to be mm-hmm. a rule that it, it you know, it's based in something that's not probably as significant as it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Absolutely. And I that, yeah, I think that's um yeah, with the intuitive side, then you can, you know, like the 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 body keeps the score, you know, that we absolutely and if you can tune into other people. And, and mm-hmm. I think that um intuition is about learning, like learning to tune into yourself initially and to understand how you work and how you shift in in relation to the external world, but also when you sit with the client, what you notice. Because you know, sometimes I'll sit with a client and something will trigger me and I'll know that that's me. Mm. because I sat there with with all of my stuff for for a long time and then but I'll know what shifts in me about them or I'll know what and the more you sit with that and the more you finally tune that and the more that you acknowledge that I think and trust that trust Mm. is big it just becomes an extra part of of your practice and actually for me when I started um practicing like that and I actually think when I met Angelica the that it was like I had permission to open that side up Mm -hmm. um, because at the time I think the NHMRC report had gone through in Australia and there was this whole thing about being evidence-based and only using if you were going to have anything um, published like the Materia Medica that you had to use the traditional Materia Medicas Mm -hmm. and like all of this these guidelines and then you're not allowed to say this and you're not allowed to say that and I just felt so restricted but then so I kind of shut down that side of myself and then I was um yeah when I started um when I met Angelica and I started doing a course I was just like oh yes (laughs) this is you know there's flow with this because Mm -hmm. I don't have to sit with my book for an hour and read every little tiny symptom Mm-hmm. Uh, I still repertorize, mind you, like mm-hmm. I, I don't for every case because I kind of use a, a mixture of tools to find a remedy, but I also use a mixture of tools within myself and within the skill set that I've learned to, to take the case. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I wonder, Sarah, can you maybe talk to our listeners about the, what that would look like? So if there is a listener with uh, listening to this right now with a, with a child with PANDAS or ASD or ADHD and they um, come for a consultation with you, what can they expect and what will that look like and what's their prognosis? And, yeah, talk us a little bit through what that would practically look like. Okay, so, um, so I, um, I have a long questionnaire that I get parents to fill out um, mm-hmm. as, um, just to gather the first part of the information and then I see the parent on their own. And in the first session, you know, we as homeopaths, we all kind of get a pretty thorough history going through um, pregnancy, pre-pregnancy, birth, um, and then everything that follows, any mm-hmm. medical interventions, health history, all of that. Um, and I think that one of the things that um, that I do is like the sensation process, and that, but I get people to close down their eyes. Mm-hmm. So I mainly work with the parent. I will meet the child, but I do get people to, the parent to close down their eyes and tune into their child. And, you know, with children, um, nonverbal children um, on the spectrum, it's actually a really good way to tap in. And 
you know, the mum will have her own grief and that usually will come up um, mm. when they kind of connect with their child um, and we'll, but that needs to be acknowledged too, of mm-hmm. course, you know, we, we, we need to, as, you know, as we all probably do, we need to work with the parent as well um, to heal the whole family. Um, so I get them to close down their eyes and I just guide them and I just get them to, to picture. And, and for some people it's quite challenging and, and it's practice, um, practice to kind of understand about working in that way. Um, and some just naturally just go into it. And I just, for me, it's kind of, um, I always say, you know, it's like following the energy of the case. Like it's like just it, something that they say that's important and I'll just pick that out and we'll follow that. And um, but and this whole time I'm also sometimes closing my eyes and I'm also feeling with, you know, with every part of myself, I guess, um, and hearing what they say and, and what resonates with me, you know, in a way mm-hmm. it's like, okay, that's important, that's important. And it's, you know, I mean, as you probably know too, like it's quite incredible the things that people say when you're already thinking something. It's um, amazing. Yeah, it's quite amazing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's really, you know, I do that quite a bit because sometimes, you know, the, even some parents that have, when it's been so emotional, they can go into management mode of their children and their children's health and forget to actually connect on that mm. heart level. So I actually find, especially when, the you know, if your child is really violent, mm-hmm. it can really, you can be managing your child but not connecting with them because it's hard to connect with somebody who's violent, especially if it's towards the parent. Mm-hmm. And even doing that process, you know, can get them back into connection with their child. Um, and, you know, that in itself is so healing. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you found so any particular... Sorry, have you found any particular remedies for the parents to help open their hearts or to help them connect with their children? I mean, you know, Ignatia is always a beautiful mm. remedy, isn't it? Mm-hmm, In fact, it is. a lot of mothers will get that. Mm. Um, um, I think Ignatia is probably the one, but you know, like things like carcinosin mm-hmm. for, for the parents that are really managing, like mm-hmm. going into manager mode um, is, a, is, I mean, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good remedy too. Often mm-hmm. the children need that. Carcinosin, I mean, the thing is, is as well, sometimes there's these kind of layers of um, uh, infection within the parent as well. And so that might be identified in this too. Like it's not only that your child um, has a susceptibility to strep, but you have mm-hmm. had that too. Um, so, you know, that might come up. And so, yeah, yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Probably the one that comes mm-hmm. up the most, especially if you haven't taken the full case of the mother, but you mm-hmm. just need to, you know, help keep her heart open. And- mm. I think homeopathy is so amazing like that because we can give something to the parent to to help them as well because they are such a critical part of the healing journey. And maybe a lot of people don't quite realize that. So I hope that they listen to this podcast and go okay, it's not just my child that needs to heal, it's me too. And just trying to feel in their own bodies, okay, where, where am I resisting? How, how am I really feeling towards my child? What is it that I'm projecting that they are subconsciously picking up on? And, you know, maybe showing that back to me because we're just, our children, the mirrors of us. And, yeah. uh, you know, homeopathy is so amazing that we can actually give even the mum or the dad a remedy to help them engage in this healing process for their child. 
Yes, yes. And but the and the thing with that too is that often parents blame themselves too, mm, which plays a part in that. And so you don't want it to be that, you know, you have to heal and then your child will heal because that's like, you know, but it's it's just a complex relationship. Mm. And you know, both really are healing, but healing together is, you know, the ultimate um journey, really. Mm-hmm. Um because often actually when the child heals, then it will kind of, the mother will go, yeah, I think I need an appointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and can I just ask, how, how did your podcast come about? Because you, a lot of these mums who are on this journey with you, this intuitive homeopathy journey, because, you know, yourself and also Angelica are, are empowering these mums to tune into this intuitive side of them. And your podcast is wonderful. It's called Intuitive Homeopathy and it's yourself and Bridget yeah. and yeah. Uh, also Angelica have this brilliant podcast, which I was so excited when I found it. I love listening to it. And you have these mothers telling these incredible stories of how their children were healed from all these complex cases. So how did the podcast come about and, and what sort of things can our listeners, you know, just, just give them a little bit of a taster to, to intrigue them to go and have a listen. So um, we, and Angelica and I were, were talking about, oh, we should do something together. And I was saying, I mean, I kind of went, I think we should do a podcast, you know, mm-hmm. and have all the mothers. And, and because I actually, when I did Angelica's course with all the mothers, the, the, um, the, it totally, I could not believe how much these women knew, like how much, not just about, but just about the process of these disease processes in their kids. They'd all, it's all like they'd all done a PhD in pans mm. pandas or autism or whatever. And then they would, they'd done so much biomedical treatment. So, so the knowledge base was just like, it was mind blowing. And actually, you know, they kind of, I think the parents are our, you know, greatest source of, you know, it, t- it takes it away from that doctor-patient relationship was mm. just like, what are you noticing? And that's actually how Angelia kind of gathered a lot of information when she was working with these mums for her book was like, oh, what, oh I know, you know, that I noticed this um, this happening when my kid's really streppy or when mm. their is really high or, you know, and this is how these things kind of play out. So, um, yeah, so so. Yeah, I said to Angelica, you know, like this is these women are a really great resource and, you know, we should do a podcast. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we had all these other kind of ideas and projects which we've been kind of developing and that are flourishing and going off as well. So, But that's how we decided to do the podcast and mm-hmm. I was like, I want to interview, you know, this, this person, this person, this person and they can talk about their story. And most of mm-hmm. the parents that we've, the mothers that we've interviewed so far have also been on this intuitive homeopathy journey have you know either seen me or Angelica or mm-hmm. um, or done some study um, uh, with Angelica or you know been on a Facebook page or something like that. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, the podcasts are so um, so fantastic because you know like sometimes I, I just feel like a novice when I'm talking to these mothers because mm-hmm. they're just so knowledgeable. so knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and amazing. it's it's amazing. They really do. Be, I mean, there's nothing like a like a mama bear wanting to heal her child. She will read all hours of the day and night on all the medical literature everywhere else. So, yeah, you really don't want to mess around with a mum like that. She knows what she's on about and she's going to keep asking questions until, you know, until she finds answers. And it's so beautiful that you're actually uh, seeing these mothers, treating them as equals, which is what they are, and you're each learning from each other as opposed to a doctor-patient where you're going in there saying to the doctor, my child flaps his arm, 
arms when his strep is high and the doctor going, oh, no, that's just coincidence. Or no, that can't be possible. You know, so many of our patients tell us that they go to their GP and they say, oh, no, that's not possible. Whereas if they come to us, we're like, yep, you know, great. That's excellent. Tell me more. You know, what else? (laughs) So, yeah, I think most parents feel very heard when they come to a homeopath because we don't discredit anything that they say. And that's mm. right. And and we understand how those symptoms fit together. But some of these, mm-hmm. you know, when I've interviewed some of the mothers for the podcast, like they're so articulate. But the, the most beautiful thing, and I think on one of them I talk about how to, with one of the mothers about how actually her child, she's in the US and her child, I think she noticed some like some scratches on the arm, like cat scratches. And mm. um, she emailed me saying, do you think it could be Bartonella? And I was just like, Ah, oh, I, I don't think so. She'd just given another remedy, and I thought it was to do with that. And um, anyway, she kind of went with her own intuition, and she gave Bartonella mm-hmm. um, in a in a thirty. And I think she moved up to some quite high potencies. But it it was incredible, like the turnaround for her child when she gave mm-hmm. that. So you know, it's like. I'm not there. I can't mm-hmm. see in this moment what's going on for your child. And for you to learn to trust your intuition, to learn to help your child in that moment, because and as well, you know, like I'm I'm busy. Like I would love to hold one person's hand through the journey and then hold another's, but I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And you know, but the mothers can and they know their children intimately. So this mm-hmm. is this is like something that they can actually do mm-hmm. to alleviate these really, you know, because in like with pans and pandas, it's really hard sometimes really hard. You know, mm-hmm. if it's violence if it's severe OCD mm-hmm. the severe anxiety you mm-hmm. know like they um it, you, you don't have your homeopath sitting by your side every second of, mm-hmm. of that journey and so have, arming them with some knowledge and some power and some power as well I think is really mm-hmm. um you know important from parent because you know when you see your mm-hmm. child going through these kind of things you can feel completely disempowered and mm-hmm what is going on mm-hmm. um, and nobody's nobody's acknowledging, you know, these symptoms that I'm seeing in my child. So, yeah, the podcasts, I think there's some really beautiful kind of stories on there. So, mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, for anyone with, with a, a child with a complex um, mm-hmm. developmental condition, they're mm-hmm. actually really good to listen to. And I think because I've referred a lot of my clients um, new clients to listen to the podcasts and they just are like, oh my gosh, I totally relate to that mother or that mother. And exactly. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, now, something else that you are quite passionate about is using nozodes in all of these neurodevelopmental cases. Did you want to talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And ma- maybe first tell our listeners what a nozode is. We have scattered it through some of the episodes, but just if this is somebody's first one, talk to them a little bit about what is no- what are nozodes and how we can use them in practice. So a nozode is made from um, a diseased tissue um, or um, body fluid, sputum, or and there's a lot of very old ones. But I find that they're very deep acting. And I just mentioned Bartonella. So Bartonella is a is a co-infection of Lyme disease, um, and um, shows up in a few different ways. But there's a lot of violence in that remedy, 
and um, it's an infection that we often don't. I mean, I think because we don't talk about Lyme in this country very openly. I know there's a few people that, and, and you know, like I, I don't think that every kid has Lyme, but sometimes when these things come up, like it's matched again, matching the energy of the remedy with the energy of the patient. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Bartonella being a co-infection of Lyme, that's a nozo that we can use with its um, in those indications. You know, with pandas, we, we can use strep and, and there's a few different um, different strains of strep that we can use with slightly different presentations as well. So so that's the remedy just for our listeners. So the remedy made from strep, we can then give to these clients who are displaying these symptoms of uh, pans or pandas, which is a, when strep has essentially gone into the brain. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't always use strep. Um, I don't always use a nosode in a child because some kids don't actually respond well to nosodes. So mm. it is really, um, you know, feeling into what's going to work because sometimes constitutional and, and organ drainage and maybe some detoxing um, is a better way to go for that child. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, it, it, it really just depends. Like I have had kids where I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, or until maybe with they've had you know six or eight months of treatment in in other ways supporting um, their detox processes or their sensitivities or I mm-hmm. actually find that mast cell activation syndrome um, if it presents in children mm-hmm. um, with these complex conditions that it's something that you need to be aware of um, because if you go in with a nosode they will probably aggravate. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you go in with a detox, they might aggravate. So um, because the the mast cells, if they're so kind of um, sensitive, anytime you detox anything, um, you know, if anything's moving out of the body and there's a lot of mast cells in the gut, um, they will trigger the mast cells to release. Mm. So, you know, and actually I found mast cell activation syndrome, if it's not acknowledged, it can be a real obstacle to cure as well. Wow. So, yeah. So, that, any other any other nozos that you really enjoy using? I, I like the lime nozos actually. So, Borrelia, Babesia, mm-hmm. Bartonella, Mycoplasma is another co-infection. They can be really useful. I've used Clostridia. Um, that's quite a good one. You know, Staph. I've used. I've used Lysinum. Um, Gosh, mm-hmm. I mean, carcinosin is always a good one as well. Mm-hmm. Carcinosin is good at clearing deep, old infections mm-hmm. um, and that susceptibility. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, tuberculinum is a mm-hmm. great, is a really great nosode mm-hmm. um, for complex children, for sure. That mast cell activation syndrome, I haven't even heard of that. Obviously, I need to go and do some more advanced <laughs> training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, far out. It's never ending though, hey, that rabbit hole. <laughs> it is, it is a bit yeah. you know, exciting. And um, I mm. think that, that um, it doesn't present in a lot of kids, but I just kind of, when I learned about it and then I was just like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen, you know, like one child um, uh, that I worked with, and Angelica was working with that child as well, but um, that child's pans actually came on after they'd been bitten by a lot of mosquitoes. Wow. And um, I prescribed Culex Musca, which is a um, mosquito, mm-hmm. and that was brilliant. Um, he, he also had been doing really well on phosphorus. Um, but then it was like, I mean, a lot of the insect remedies actually can um, be related to high histamine um, release, which mar- that's what mast cell, the mast cells release 
histamine, like or they dump histamine into the body. So there's this mm. huge kind of histamine reaction. But then he went on to kind of do more work on him, his mast cells and he's been, that, that kind of shifted a lot for him. Mm. So, you know, he was doing well on the FOSS. He did really well on the Culex, but then they did some, they actually probably, I think they did some um, naturopathic or biomedical work with the mast cells. Mm. And then, you know, he's just doing really, really well. So. I sometimes I feel really selfish doing these podcasts because I learn <laughs> so much <laughs> when I do them. So you have definitely sent me down a bit of a rabbit hole now. I'm going to be doing some more reading on that. <laughs> it's amazing. It, it feels like I'm like getting forced into all this incredible professional development because I get to talk to so many knowledgeable people like yourself and just, um, yeah, just learn more all the time, which is what this is all about, right? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, and that's for all of us listening to your podcast too. We're all learning um, <laughs> another, which is brilliant. That's um, amazing. So I wonder if you can maybe share some cases with us. Have you got have you got any off the top of your head? I do. I actually um I've got a couple. There was one I've got a couple that I can tell you about. One yeah. of them, because um, this this was an interesting one. This 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 boy is he's actually just turned 21 late last year he turned 21 but he had seen another homeopath for years and years before he'd seen me and they kind of made some gains but he was in a, quite a rut like um he had um pans uh and uh he was he's just quite depressed actually um and very sensitive and he'd done really well on um Lacphalinum, mm-hmm. which is um, the milk. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and uh, he, um, I can't remember what other remedies he did well on, but I said to the mum, you know, we got to the point of um, there's something like he's kind of shifting, he's not much shifting as much as, as we would like him to shift. And um so I actually decided to do a vaccine clear for the vaccine for the Hep B vaccine he'd had at birth, mm-hmm. and so twenty one years prior, and also he was very much a sulphur constitution. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's moved up; he's not taking CM in sulphur, but he's taking high high one um, M, maybe. I'm not sure if we've moved him up to ten M, maybe. But mm-hmm. anyway, we did um, the Hep B the vaccination detox mm-hmm. and so much shifted. Wow. And so now he he's, I mean, he's finished that now and he takes sulfur occasionally. Mm-hmm. And um, but to think like 20 years, and you know, I mean, probably all the homeopathic work that he'd done before, and then you know, we were mm-hmm. working through, you know, definitely was helping him. But this kind of was like that little kind of final key in the door turn and like it was just like ah oh, okay there he is again like he's just out of the hole that he was in um which is quite amazing when you think about you know that you know because we might not think that that vaccine of 21 years ago would have caused such a issue i mean he had he had you know long standing 
Mm -hmm. um, things going on for a long, long time, but he'd never actually cleared that vaccine. So that's very um, exciting. And um, yeah. I, I so often have women or clients say to me, you know, can I still clear a vaccine effects, you know, years on? And the answer is always yes, because, you know, I'll treat women uh, well into their 30s who had the Gardasil vaccination when they were 16. And it's incredible the changes that you will see overall in their period, in their well-being, in their, you know, breast tenderness before their period or their PMS or snappiness or anything like that just from doing a vaccine clear that they had 20 years earlier. And you're like, well, we've done nothing else. We've just done this vaccine clear and all of your, you know, endocrine imbalances have cleared up. So, you know, really points to <laughs> where the disharmony yeah. happened in the first place. Right. I've mm. seen that with the, with the oral contraceptive pill as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it's just amazing when you clear that from mm. women and everything just kind of, you know, they get back into the into their original rhythm mm. yes absolutely um, yes even though it was years and years before yeah mm. it's very exciting never too late and your and your other case you were going to share so this is um a case of little boy and I'm still seeing him um mm. but he originally came to me and his sister actually um because his sister has pans and um, so I was working with her and she that her, her case has been amazing as well. Actually, it's a really good kind of example of being um, in partnership with the mother in, in the children's healing, like she's dedicated um, and, you know, we kind of, we're working together, but she's always kind of learning and wanting to learn and understand and noticing. Anyway, um, but the little boy originally, so he didn't really have any pan symptoms, but he was... Um, he, he, his, he definitely had poor assimilation, um, mineral, you know, kind of deficiencies, quite small, dark mm. under the eyes. Mm. Um, he would be quite lethargic and he'd have little bursts of energy. Mm. Um, um, and, but he, then he started having a few little ticks and I think the first one was sniffing his hands. Um, so he'd be sniffing and and this with this lethargy and quite clingy to mum and um, but loves if a, if a, you know, like when he would come into the consulting room, he'd kind of like be looking at me like I really want to connect with you, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, the, you know, with his big blue eyes. Mm -hmm. so um, uh, anyway, when I gave him phosphorus, the sniffing of the hands went away and his, even his energy levels were a bit better. So we kind of moved on and um, he was doing really well. But then some other ticks appeared. I think, oh, he was he was really self-deprecating um, and he was really angry, um, lashing out at his parents but also self-deprecating, mm -hmm. um, like saying, you know, I'm just a dum-dum, I'm, I'm shit. He would use the word shit a bit. Mm -hmm. but, that kind of came on later. He um, and he was washing his hands a lot. Started mm -hmm. washing his hands a lot. You know, the mum's kind of going, "Oh my gosh!" You know, I've been through this with my daughter, and now I'm seeing it with him. Um, a bit stressful. Um, and so I gave him strep um, in a 30C, I think. And from the first dose, the hand washing stopped, and the he was also, she said he'd always been, had quite a bloated belly and that he's, she, the mum was saying his belly's just flattened out as mm -hmm. well. Like, and he, his, the darkness under his eyes went away um, and he, 
yeah, he just, he just was, just, the mum was just like, oh, my gosh, he's just, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's amazing, that wonder. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, um, that kind, he did really well and we went up, I think, to the next potency of strep. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he presented with another tick and which was um, a kind of a grunting tick, like a, and <clears throat> the mum was like, he sounds like a little old man. <laughs> and he was doing it like he got started and it kind of was constant. Mm. And um, this mum's quite intuitive actually and so she does the process, um, the meditation um, sensation mm. process quite beautifully. And uh, anyway, so we went in and she actually, I'd already actually already been thinking about a certain remedy and when she went in to do the process, she started saying, it's like he's got, there's something in his throat. What is it? What is it? And then she was like, oh, I'm just seeing flies come out of his mouth. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And I'd already been thinking about Musca domestica, which is the house fly, because um, especially because he'd actually started saying something about being shit again. He was mm-hmm. talking about shit. Um, you're shit. Um, this is shit. His little kid, like um, so sweet little kid, but saying the word shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd gone back to being a little bit self-deprecating as well. So the strep had kind of done something and then then we kind of had ticks presenting in a different way again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, uh, and then this kind of thing coming back. So mm-hmm. um, I gave him Musca Domestica and she said that wasn't straight away, but after a week, the tick, that throat clearing, mm-hmm. um, grunting thing had completely gone. Mm-hmm. And um, she was just like, it's quite amazing because he was doing it all the time, mm. like just almost the entire day. And when I said to her, what about the self deprecating um, stuff? Is that still going on? And she was like, oh, no, actually, he didn't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oh. Yeah, and this little boy actually, I've also we've also been working on. Um, uh, I've been giving him lactiflorotum because he, when the mum was pregnant, she craved dairy mm. a lot, um, and she she's actually not really given him dairy, um, but she did crave it intensely when she mm-hmm. was pregnant, mm-hmm. and um, so we started actually, you know, I've started giving him that remedy too and that's also been really good for his because he's always had he's been a mouth breather and had a lot of congestion oh amazing um and so that's really helping to clear up um plus that remedy like defloratum is a really good remedy for the immune system um and kind of undoing these effects that you know um of dairy but i also think for that kind of an autoimmune um response that Mm -hmm. that like defloratum is a really good remedy. Mm. And just for our listeners, that's the remedy that's made from cow's milk, like yes. defloratum. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, what what role do you find technology, sorry, this is just off, off the side, but what role do you find technology plays in ticks? Because I, as you were saying this, I had this little boy, he's about nine, with the most intense throat tick. I actually recorded it on my phone. I said to the mum, is it okay if I record this? And I asked his permission as well. I always ask the children, you know, yeah. is it okay if I take photos of her, you know, and the parents? And he said, yeah. And um, it was every three seconds, I kid you not. And he had this for months and she oh. came to see me and I gave him some remedies. But I also said to the mum, you need to keep him off technology completely for a month. And I said, he can watch weekends, but nothing during the week at all. And then 
after the first month, she emailed me and she said, okay, we've stuck, we've stuck to your guidelines. You know, can he ease up? I was like, he's your child. It's your responsibility. But, you know, obviously, you know, she said his tick had improved massively. Um, and yeah, when they came back after two months, the tick was gone and he had had this for months. And um, so the homeopathics were amazing, but definitely the technology made a difference because he came back very recently. And as I saw him in reception, he had developed a new tick and he had like a twitchy eye tick. And I said to him, as he walked up to me, I said to him, you've been back on the technology, haven't you? And he was like, yes, because it's school holidays, but his tick is so much worse with just being on technology all the time. So totally makes a huge difference. And that's a maintaining cause. I mean, you can give remedies all you want. But yeah. if the kids are on the technology all day long, it yeah. makes such a huge difference. It just um, and I, um, I think um, you know, seeing so many kids since the lockdowns mm. that are presenting with ticks and they and and kids that I wouldn't have expected to present with ticks, and maybe they don't even have pans or pandas, but mm. um you know, like it's just, it's through the roof, like mm. little anxieties and ticks to go with it. Absolutely. And I think because, you know, everyone's, you know, in survival mode and having mm. to put kids on, on a screen whilst they're trying to get stuff done. Um, which is, but, yeah, I, it, that, mm. that is such a huge part. And, you know, one other thing I notice as well, um, really yeasty kids, um, if they spend too much time, because um, especially if they're holding or touching um, a screen, mm. The um, and this is actually um, I learned about this from Dr. Um, Klinghart, um, you know, who has the Klinghart Institute. But uh, um, yeast actually has like a double cell wall, and in between the cell walls are is are toxins, mm-hmm. and EMFs actually rupture the cell wall and release the toxins. So if you've got a kid who's holding um, an iPad or touching an iPad and playing games on it or watching YouTube or whatever they're doing, um, that the that affect those toxins that could be just flooding the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, like I I feel like that is you know such a major issue. I mean, I think mm-hmm. yeast is is a big issue in complex kids. You know, but yeah, the tech the tech thing is oh, mm-hmm. it's just such a it's a tricky one. And I I think the fallout of this, we're really not going to see the true impact of this for another 10 or 20 years time. And I think oh. we're going to have to do a lot of apologizing to our children for not, I mean, it's so easy. Um, it's so easy to put them in front of the technology these days. I mean, my kids are in the Steiner school, so they're not allowed technology during the week and they're 10 and seven and they've never had an iPad in their life. And as long as they're under my roof, they will not have an iPad. <laughs> so we're probably a little bit, um, you know, different in that way. But um, I, I see these kiddies and they're so addicted to the technology and it's, um, yeah, quite crazy. And you know that so many parents say to me, oh, it's just, you know, no, they're mostly fine except when I need them to get off the iPad and then mm, there's exactly. or if they want the mm. iPad and then there's a meltdown and it's just mm. like, oh, if I had a remedy that could mm. just solve that problem. That would be um, amazing, yeah. Great, put that in the water and maybe, um, you know, there would be a well, lot we- we do have we do have a remedy for that, and people always tease me because they say you're probably going to say there's a remedy for that, and there is a remedy for that, which uh, Roger Savage in that episode, a uh, few episodes earlier, spoke about. Uh, I think it's called DHB, but it's a precursor to GABA, which is to do with addiction, and um, I think that's a remedy that we're going to be using a lot more as homeopaths in our clinic because it is the hormone that's released in that uh, you know in yeah. that addictive type behavior. So if we can use this remedy perhaps more in homeopathic potency, 
with our little clients who are so addicted to technology. I think well, it's going to be. Well, if that's um, dopamine, I have given dopamine to a few kids. Oh, man, I've got the book here. It's, it's, I think I want to say GHB. I think it's GHB. Oh, okay. okay. One of the one of the neurotransmitters. Yeah. yeah right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, you know, even protecting our kids from EMFs, and I know that that's a whole other topic, but even, mm-hmm. you know, using remedies, um, EMF remedies, um, Emerald is a good one oh, yeah. uh, for protecting kids um, or, or for helping kind of equalise them after the exposure to the EMFs, which, you know, we're all going to, we're all exposed, especially if you live in um, in, the, in a city, like it's... Mm-hmm just hard to avoid it is hard to avoid and um yeah we have some great remedies for that as well it is a ghb Uh yeah sorry i had to pull my book out because this is a remedy i'm getting quite excited about at the moment that i think is going to be really good yes Mm -hmm. what does ghb stand for it stands for four hydroxy butanoic butanoic acid and it says it plays a role in functioning of several neurotransmitters the main function is a precursor to GABA and indirectly to dopamine, relaxing the mind and the body, plays a significant part in addiction to substances or activities, even addiction to a certain kind of thinking or behaving, which is very exciting. This is from Tan Janssen's book, Human Chemistry, Integrated Therapy. I might leave this part on the podcast just for the homeopaths listening to this who haven't got Tan Janssen's books yet. Um, they're really amazing. And yes. I think we need all these new remedies to really help us with yeah. You know, all the epidemic of uh, childhood illnesses that we're seeing yeah. these days. Yeah, that's right. Just yeah. that, you know, I think the the pandemic is, mm-hmm. is you know, that is what's happening to our kids and their immune systems mm-hmm, um, because of the exposure to everything that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we're exposed to. It's hard. You can't really, if you live in a city in particular, but even in the country where there's lots of farming and sprays. And oh, absolutely, yeah. If you were exposed, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Sarah. I'm just so excited to get to chat with you today. I kind of feel like I, I have we've kind of gone a little bit off topic here, but I'm just so glad we finally get to sit down and chat. It's just like, you know, the listeners get to actually just, you know, come and listen in on our private chat. Yes. <laughs> um, but I wonder, is there anything else that you want to get across to our listeners? What message do you want to get across? What do you, what do you want them to know about intuitive homeopathy or about, you know, pandas or ADHD or all this neurodiversity or what's the message you want to bring across for them? I think, you know, actually one of the mothers that I interviewed in one of the podcasts who she's actually, she's a scientist, um, a research scientist, and um, she she said in, in the podcast, she said, you know, I was a research scientist. I did everything. I, and she is, she's such a smart woman. Um, and she said, and then it was like, and then there was homeopathy as the last choice. But mm. she said, and she says in the podcast, you know, try it this is like you know you might not be able to understand how it works mm-hmm. um but try it you know and i and i really feel like um homeopathy has so much to offer that isn't you know that is something separate to to the biomedical model or what western medicine can offer these children and their immune systems actually it's quite amazing in supporting the their immune systems and their vital force mm. to, you know, come back to homeostasis, which is, you know, what we're all aiming for, but mm-hmm. also for clearing out infections without using pharmaceuticals. And, um, you know, of course, there's herbs that can do that as well. Mm. Um, 
but I think remedies are so easy, you know. Like, so, so easy. I have so many parents that have kind of gone through this, this biomedical thing and they're quite fatigued because they've done all the diet stuff and they've, you know, done all the supplements. Spent and thousands on supplements and, yeah. All thousands and thousands mm-hmm. and thousands. And, you know, it's, pre- it's pretty amazing. Like that client I was talking about before when the first dose of the remedy and she was like, I've got my little girl back and I've spent so much I know, time. I know. So much money. Um, yeah, if you want to be a homey, if you want to make money, don't be a homeopath. Become a naturopath <laughs> because there's definitely more money to be made in supplements. <laughs> um, but I would just want to add a little tale to your bit there of try homeopathy. Is don't try homeopathy once. You know, do give it a few goes because unfortunately, you know, I I was just saying to Sarah before we started, I have had a, a case of pandas where the mum came in for the initial and it was just a one follow-up and then, you know, just uh, gave up after that, wasn't willing to try it even more, anymore, even though she had already taken the pharmaceutical route and put the child on antibiotics and all sorts of others, other things and, and used homeopathy as a last resort, but there just wasn't, you know, she just didn't understand the process. So unfortunately, we never got to really help that child and that child's now back on pharmaceutical medication and probably will be for the rest of her life. So don't just try homeopathy, you know, try it a couple of, you know, three times, give your homeopath at least three follow-ups because unfortunately people will go to their doctor back again and again and again and several doctors again and again and again. And, you know, even though they, they're not having the issue resolved, they'll will keep going back. But unfortunately I find with us alternative or natural health practitioners, often we just have one or two goes and it's just not enough to undo a lifetime of, of damage. No, that's right. Mm. That, that's totally right. And, you know, I do want to kind of say that that, case that I was talking about with the first dose of the remedy and that I mean it can help like it does that. happen yes it happens and it happens more than you think but it doesn't always happen so mm-hmm. I don't want it to be like oh you just yeah. you know, <laughs> all your problems will be solved with one drop no um there you know there's a lot of kind of really complex but you know when you see something shift you know within the first between the first and the second consult and mm. it's kind of like oh okay, we've got some traction here. Sometimes I'm, you know, kind of I feel like a client comes and it's like there's a whole um, complex web that I'm trying to kind of go where where do we start? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we start and we might it might be three sessions and then it's just like, right, I know now. Um, we've kind of stripped those little things away and now we're dealing with this really pointy bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get through that pointy bit and we'll see what pointy bit comes next. If it does, if it doesn't, you know, it's just following mm-hmm. the following whatever's coming up for that child. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we do have, you know, a, a bit to unravel sometimes with these um, complex yeah. cases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Sarah, how can our lovely listeners find out more about you and how can they engage with what you do? Uh, so my website probably um, is thefamilyapothecary.com.au. Uh, I'm also, um, Angelica and I set up a clinic, um, an online clinic where we're training other practitioners and that's through, um, it, it, that's called homeopathyhive.com. Um, and actually you can see the podcasts through homeopathyhive.com or you can on Spotify or, um, uh, I don't know. Where Apple, all the Apple Podcasts, Google yes. Podcasts, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Um, Bridget ha- Bridget beautifully handles all of those kind of <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah, I know, really good. Um, uh, yes, and so and we're also um, starting more studies through the School of um, Intuitive Homeopathy, um, which is starting this year. So there's two different um, 
streams of learning. One of them is like a post-grad group for practitioners um, and the other one is for people that um, either are just finishing their studies or just want to know more or, and um, you know, learning about the remedies and learning about complex children's cases. So, and that's through um, the website intuitivehomeopathy.com. Okay, we'll have that all in the show notes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and normally I get my guests to tell me their three favourite remedies at the end, but I'm going to give a, give you a little bit of a different task. Tell us your three strangest remedies that you've prescribed, because I know you and Angelica have all sorts of weird and interesting remedies that you prescribe. So you've mentioned the house fly already, but what are some three interesting remedies that you've prescribed? Um, I really enjoy Colin Griffith's work. Um, and his tri- he, he talks about triads using thymus, cephalinum, and another remedy which is more um, specific to the case. I've had a lot of deep kind of ancestral trauma shift from using, he calls them the triad remedies. So using um, Budlia Davidae, mm. thymus, and cephalinum together. Mm. I have... A beautiful case of um, chalice well water um, with of a, a client, and that was healing deep trauma as well. Mm-hmm. Um, deep old trauma. Mm-hmm. That's I, I love the water remedies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they're so fascinating and interesting, and I probably haven't prescribed them that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I've prescribe those quite deeply and I had to just add there when you said budleia it's the remedy made from the butterfly bush and uh it's the the it's such a fascinating remedy it's one of those that I think uh all of us should have a little bottle of and throw in all the waterways and all the rivers and you know because it's a remedy that kind of just you know heals the planet yes yes beautiful totally I um I have prescribed t-rex as well. Oh, I didn't even know there was a T-Rex remedy. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh no, I did know. It was from a it was made from a bone, wasn't it? The yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bone. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from a fossilized bone. I've had it, yeah. That um that has been fantastic in in one child that mm-hmm. I prescribed. And she had um she has pans, but she she would have these rages and then she would go and kind of hide. She'd barricade herself in. Mm. And we could think of a lot of remedies for that. But, um, uh, yeah, the, the, the T-Rex really shifted that. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't do that anymore. Um, um, but she'd be kind of in, she'd put herself in a box sometimes and be peering out or she'd barricade herself in a room and, um, wow. But she would also have these violent, violent rages. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's... Um, that is very there. cool. Yeah, there's probably lots more. You know, one other remedy that I have to mention um, that some of the, the students in the, um, in the intuitive homeopathy group have heard me talk about, but um, bedwetting. Um, I, I, at the start of my practice, spent a lot of time repertorising bedwetting remedies mm. and... Actually, in the complex kids, one of the remedies that I have had really wonderful success, and I won't say it's with everyone because, mm-hmm. you know, that we're not like that, you know, we do still individualise, but when I see um, children bedwetting, um, borax in a 6C oh. has been amazing. And I think it's perhaps because of the yeast component. I was about to say candida, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Very interesting. Yes. Like it's just been like that's it's something that I will go, okay, I've got this child, they're bedwetting, but I'm not going to hone in on that right now because there's all this other stuff. Mm. I'm going to give that and see what how that shifts the bedwetting and then we can deal with all this other stuff um, with wow. the constitution or, or whatever else we have to do. Yeah, um, and just to clarify, do not give actual borax. It's homeopathic borax because I did once prescribe borax to a client and luckily she came to me and showed me the bag of borax that she had bought from the health shop. I'm like, no, do not give that to your baby. It is homeopathic borax. <laughs> energetic substance, energetic signature of the actual borax. So, oh my gosh, crisis averted. Yes. But yeah, oh <laughs> please gosh. don't go and give your kids borax. No. Yes, good. Yeah, borax 6C. You only make that mistake once and then you make sure to clarify it after that. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, oh my gosh, we are gonna have to, I don't know, do episode two, three, four of this because I think we have got lots more cool things that we can share with our clients. And it's been just so amazing connecting with you, Sarah. And um thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge with us today. And um I'm you know, this gives me a little bit of a glimmer of hope every now and again. You know, you think of all these kitties that are just so, so sick, and we think, what have we done with a whole generation of children? And then people like you and Angelica come along and share with us the amazing success that, that you, you're having in your clinic and just gives me that glimmer of hope that we can still, you know, save yeah. these kitties and, and help them and, yeah. and live their fullest life, you know, their their most magical life possible. So thank you for all right. that you do. Yes. Well, I mean, there is so much to do and there is so, you know, like I feel so passionate and, you know, like I, I want I want, I mean, the reason, one of the reasons that we're doing the School of Intuitive Homeopathy and that we're doing Homeopathy Hive is that, you know, like we want, I want more practitioners to um, to come on board and practice mm -hmm. in this way because there are lots of these kids that need help and my, you know, um, I do feel like this, you know, this this pandemic is growing. Mm, absolutely. It yeah. Really is. And, you know, we really need to support the portal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Jeannie. Thank you so much for your time. I'll chat with you soon. Yes, thank you. Bye.